What child is this? You know, it's interesting as we come to the close of, of David's life in the Scripture. Um, as we consider the life of David as a whole, um, we're going to be in several passages of Scripture this morning. We'll be in Acts 13 to begin with. And then we'll make our way uh, back to the Old Testament. Um, matter of fact, we'll be in First <clears throat> Kings chapter 2 and then again in First Chronicles 28. So you'll see we'll be in, in several areas. But all of us here today, everybody in this building, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what your educational level is. I don't care from what pedigree you may find yourself or social standing. It's immaterial because every one of us in this building today, I don't care who you are, will leave some sort of legacy. Every one of us will. Did David uh, leave a, a legacy? He did. He left quite a legacy. But let's talk about the definition of legacy for just a moment. I just want to give it to you. <clears throat> I thought I knew. Until I went and started investigating the word legacy. Did you know the word legacy in its original meaning, here's what it actually meant. A legacy is a gift of money. I bet y'all didn't know that you were going to have to leave a gift of money. <clears throat> a legacy is a gift of money or other personal property that's granted by the terms of a will, often a substantial gift that needs to be properly managed. But y'all are safe today. Used in its more broad sense today, it actually means this, which is probably even more substantial than the first definition that I gave you. But here it is, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. Let me say that again, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. The death of David, the greatest king Israel ever had, marked the end of an error. Acts chapter 13, verse 36 through verse 37. I want you to notice with me as Luke records for us in Acts 13, verse 36. <clears throat> Because if you don't see anything else about David here, here's what I want you to see. For David, after he had served the purpose of who? Of God. After he had served the purpose of God. And all of us in here know David was far from perfect. Matter of fact, in all of David's life, did David have ups and downs? He did. Did David struggle with some things? He did. But I will say this to you. There's one thing that I don't believe that David ever struggled with. And that's knowing who God was. And you say, well, Brother Robert, 
how do you know that? Well, you're just going to have to bear with me because in a few moments I'm going to show you why that is the case. Did David always consult God on all the decisions that he made? No, he didn't. And did some of those occasions get him into trouble? It did. And we all know the account of David. And let me, let me tell you something. You know, here's what's interesting. Every time we think about David, most people only think of two things about David. Number one is when he killed Goliath. And number two is Bathsheba. So when you ask most folks about David, that's okay. And when you think about those, and guess what you have there? One of them is a victory. And the other one is a what? Is a failure. From victory to failure. But let me ask you a question. But did it change who he was? In the eyes of God? No, it didn't. And when you, when you study David's life and all of the intricacies, and, and one of the things that I did while I was studying all for this series, I just went through and just began to diagram David's life. And did you know that every time David got into trouble, guess where he came back to? Isn't that amazing? Let me ask you a question. Are human beings today any different? No. Do we do the same thing? We do. Do we, also, do we always consult God on all of our decisions? No. And when we don't and we find ourselves in trouble, who's the first one we always call on? God, and how, let me ask you a question. How many of us have ever said this? God, if you'll just get me out of this one. How many of y'all are still asking God to get you out of this one? Why? Because we're human, that's why. But did that change the fact of who David was in God's eye? And a, and a legacy? Did David leave a legacy? He did. You need to spend some time and just go through the scriptures and look at the legacy that David left. Matter of fact, you hear me talk about this all the time. Genealogies, you need to read them. You need to study the genealogies. Matter of fact, just as a side note, this one, this, this one won't cost you anything. Won't even, I won't even deduct it from my time this morning. <clears throat> I'm just going to share it with you anyway. Matthew chapter number one that gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What's interesting, what you find in Matthew chapter number one is David's name. In verse one, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. And think about this. Jesus was the legal descendant of David through Joseph. When you go read and study the other genealogies, especially the one in Luke, here's, here's what you will also find. Jesus was also the blood descendant of David through Mary, through Nathan. Nothing was missed. Nothing. But you see, the greatest tragedy, the greatest tragedy would have been this would have been to live and never find that purpose. Every one of you in this building, God has a purpose for you. He has a will for you. Everybody in this building. 
The question is, is what is it? Sometimes we go through life searching and seeking for that purpose. And taking each opportunity as it comes, walking through it, fulfilling it, and determining what that purpose is that God has for us. But the greatest tragedy would be this, would be to die and never have found that purpose for God. That special God-ordained purpose that he has for each one of us. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. David is coming to the end of his life. 1 Kings chapter 2. Then we'll be going over to 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and 29. That's where we'll spend most of our time. David's coming to the end of his life. And all of us know that he had a son born to Bathsheba by the name of Solomon. Solomon would be the next one to sit on the throne of David. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 3. As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, "If you please pay attention to what he charged him with. In all of David's ups and downs, in all the difficulties that David had throughout his life, at the end of the day, when it came down to the most important thing that he could possibly leave, Solomon. I want you to notice where he starts. Verse 2. He said, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Look at verse 3. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. You notice what he tells him. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. To do what? To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes. His commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies. According to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. Let me tell you where David, do you notice, where did David direct him right off the bat? His final closing words of his life, where does he direct Solomon to? One of the things I want you to understand, David, it never came out of David's mouth to do as I do, not as I say. And how often do we, that's the way we often conduct things in our life. How many of us have ever done that with our children? You just do as I do, not, I mean, you do as I say, not as I do. Huh? Did David go back through with, let me tell you something. Do I think Solomon knew all that David had been through? Yeah, I think so. News travels quickly in the palace. Did David know? Sure he did. Did Solomon know? Sure he did. But notice, notice what David concentrated on. Look at verse 4. So that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all of their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. 
At the end of the day, what was it all about? It was obedience to God, to his commandments, to his statutes, to all of those things. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. Are we going to mess up? Yeah. Do we all mess up? Yeah. Will we mess up before we come to the end of our lives? Yes, we will. Go with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Because it's also chronicled for us. In 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. What we're going through and what I'm sharing with you this morning is David's final words on the face of this earth. Could David have gone back and reflected on all the victories that he had? I'm sure he could have. Could he have gone back with Solomon and said, hey, Moe, you should have been there the day I killed Goliath. You'd have been proud. You'd have been proud of your dad. He didn't walk him back through any of that. And I'm going to tell you something. The, the whole time that I, that I laid all of this out and I, was, I, I, I spent time studying. Listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, here, here's what they, at the end of the day, we need to be able to come to the point that we can say and we can look at our children and look at those that we have within our influence and say, look, I'm not perfect here. But there's one thing I can share with you. Don't ever turn your back on God. And in all of your life and in everything that's affiliated with your life, here's one of the things you need to make sure that you do is to do what? To seek him. To seek him in all that you do. Look at verse 9 and 10 of 1 Chronicles 28. As for you, my son Solomon, what does he say right off the bat? Know who? Know the God of your father. Solomon, that's what you need. You, know the, you, you need to know the God of your father. And serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. You see that? Serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. Everybody in this auditorium, I can tell you right now, you want to leave a lasting legacy? And here's what you need to do. You need to take the truth of what David is saying to Solomon, and we need to live it out in our lives every day. Look at the next part of verse 9. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he'll let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous. And Listen, David wanted to build a, he wanted to build a temple. That was, his, that was his final desire was to build a temple. Matter of fact, he had all the plans drawn up for the temple. God had to tell him, Ah, David, it's not going to be you that's going to build it. Your son's going to, but you're not. But you know, one of the great things about it, though, is what plans did Solomon use to build a temple? The plans David had drawn up. Based upon God. 
Look at verse 20 of 1 Chronicles 28. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God. Now, you notice how personal that got? See how personal now that became with David? Oh, David, by the way, the Lord God is my God. He said, he's with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. He will be there. You know, I found this interesting. David says, basically what David is saying to Solomon. Here's here's Solomon. Here's what I want you to understand. Don't allow yourself to become so caught up in the business that you miss the most important part. For us today, let me tell you where we find ourselves. We can get so caught up in the busy that we miss the most important part. What did David, what did David share with Solomon? Seek the Lord. Ask for him. Walk in his ways. Walk in his commandments and his statutes. Just do what it is that God expects from you. So what did David tell his son Solomon? Here's what he says. I want you to know God. Listen, parents, every one of us, it doesn't make any any difference. David said, I want you to know God. It's the foundation upon which everything else will be built. Everything. Here's what he tells Solomon. Solomon, you can't, listen, you can't skip this step. Let me ask you a question. What makes us think we can skip that step today? We can. But I can't guarantee you what's going to come at the end of it. Grandparents, fathers and mothers, aunts and uncles. Let let me ask you a question. It's for all of us. I'm in that category. I'm wondering what it's going to be like one day to be a great-grandparent. If it's any better than being a grandparent, I don't know if you can stand it. Grandparents, fathers and mothers, aunts and uncles, I want to ask you a question. What advice are you passing on right now? What are we passing up? What kind of legacy are we leaving? At the end of the day, some of us are coming, you know, I, <clears throat> at one time I, I used to look at my life this way all the time. I'm still trucking up the hill. But you know, you come to a point in time in life where you reach the crest of the hill and guess what? Here's something I never could understand. Boy, it sure took a long time to get to the top of that hill. But boy, it's flying by coming down the other side. Life's short. The question is, is what kind of advice or legacy are we passing on? So I want to share one with you 
this morning. I'm going to give you three points that hopefully will help. Point one, what's the greatest advice you could give to your family? Is to what? Seek him. Seek him once a month, every day. Every day we should seek him. Turn with me to Psalm 119 in verse 2. Psalm 119 in verse 2. We'll read verse 1 and verse 2 together. How blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2. But notice this one. How blessed or how happy are those who observe his testimonies. Now watch this. Who seek him, what? Who seek him with all their heart. Seek after him. Well, how do you seek after God? Do I go on a journey every day? No. Let me tell you where you begin. Start reading the Word of God. Seek Him. Pray. Meditate. As you read a passage of Scripture, meditate on the Word of God. Say, when you pray, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth of what it is that you're reading. Matter of fact, here's the desire that you ought to have. The reason that you read and study the Word of God is for what reason? To know more about the one who loves you, son. You want to know about God? You want to know who he is? You want to know all about him that you can know? Let me tell you something. You're going to find it all in here. Let me tell you what he did. Not only did he save us, he gave us two things. Number one, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So that we can what? Know him for who he is. So we've got to seek him though. It's not something that happens by osmosis. You can't lay your head on your pillow at night and say, oh God, I just want to know all about you. So while I'm asleep. You know, it's kind of like when you plug your phone in to charge it. All right, God, I'm fixing to go into charging mode I'm going to close my eyes and you just charge me up while I'm asleep it doesn't work that way with that seeking comes knowing him to know him it's one thing to seek him it's another thing to know him what do you mean by know him deeply and intimately Deeply and intimately. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 1 and look at verse 7. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. And notice in verse 1 of Proverbs 1. Guess who shares this with us? The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of who? The son of David. Isn't it amazing? 
So what does Solomon share with us in verse 7? Well, look at what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and destruction or instruction. They despise wisdom and instruction. Know him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let me ask you a question. How do you see God today? Is an old man with a white beard sitting in a rocking chair up on a, on a snowy white cloud in, in the sky somewhere? Or do you see him as the sovereign Lord and master and creator of all that there is? No man has seen him face to face at any time, lest if they should, they would die. Do we stand in awe and reverence of the most holy and high God that we serve today? To know him deeply and intimately. And matter of fact, the more you know him, the more you should desire to know of him. Might as well. I hate to bust your bubble. But I certainly would want to know all I could about the one I'm just going to spend all of eternity with. Well, with seeking him and knowing him comes something else. Because if you, if, you, if you surely seek him and you surely know him deeply and intimately, I can tell you what's going to come next. It's to serve him. With a whole heart and a willing mind. Let's go to Psalm 100. With a whole heart and a willing mind. <clears throat> you know, I've used this illustration before. <clears throat> when I played basketball in school, I hated to sit on the bench. I didn't join the basketball team to sit on the bench. I understand there's rotation, okay? <laughs> I understand you can't play every single minute of every single I understand that. Because it's a team effort. It's a team sport. But one of the things playing point guard, one of the things that you always like to do, I mean, if you're, out, if you're not on the court and you're not shooting, well, I, get, I hate to tell you this, but your stats aren't very good. You got to be out there playing in the game, not sitting on the bench. Let me tell you something. I don't want to sit on the bench. I don't want to sit on the bench serving the Lord. I want to be in the game. Just to be able to bat. Just to be able to have a part. Psalm 100, notice what it says, verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with, serve him with what? With gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations from David's all the way to ours. Is God still faithful today? 
He is. Is he unfaithful? No. He is not. Let's go back to 1 Chronicles 28. Speaking to Solomon 28, we transition over to chapter 29. And as we transition over to chapter 29, you come to verse 1 of chapter 29. See if you remember what he told him in verse 20 of 28. You walk with God and he'll, he'll walk each step with you. So you come to verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 29. Notice what it says. Then King David said to the entire assembly. 1 Chronicles 29.1. Then David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and is inexperienced, and the work is great. He said, look, he's young. He's inexperienced, and the work is great. Did Solomon have to be concerned about that? No. All Solomon needed to do was just trust the Lord and follow him. Seek him and know him. and Follow after the Lord. And what did David tell Solomon would happen? God will be with you each step. But make sure that in the building process and when you get into the middle of the busyness of the temple going up, don't miss the most important step here. Seek God every day and walk in his ways. Verse 10, 1 Chronicles 29. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen every one. Is it any wonder that David had this testimony that he had a heart after God's own heart? If you've ever questioned that at all from David's heart, it's pretty evident here where David's heart was. At the end of the day, in all of his imperfections, This is the thing that I guess spoke to me more than anything else when I was reading and putting all of this together. At the end of the day, here's what David said. Even in light of all of his imperfections, David said, God's all about you. Everything is. Verse 13, now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? 
Notice what David says next. For all things come from you. And from your hand, we have given you. See, don't ever think for a minute that you're doing God a favor by giving back to him. What you're giving back to him has already come from his hand. Verse 17. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all of these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple for which I have made a provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly bless the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. Verse 26. Now David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. The period which he reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned in Hebron, seven years, and in Jerusalem, 33 years. Then he died in a ripe old age. But I want you to notice next, full of days, riches and honor. And his son Solomon reigned in his place. Now the acts of King David from first to last are written in the chronicles of Samuel the seer, in the chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and in the chronicles of Gad the seer. With all of his reign, his power, and the circumstances which came on him, on Israel, and on all the kingdoms of the lands. So what can we learn from David's life? Real quickly, let me just share this with you this morning. We can have hope despite our humanity. We can have hope despite our humanity. Number two, we can learn courage, even during times of fear. Is the work tremendous? Yes. Can it sometimes look like a daunting task? Yes. Can sometimes it look like there's no way? Yeah. No need to fear. Number three, we can learn encouragement and praise during the hours of despair. When we find ourselves in a place, one thing you can rest assured, and I share this often, Psalm 121, verse 1 and verse 2, I will lift up my eyes to the hill from where my help comes from. My help comes from where? From the Lord. Number four, we can learn forgiveness in the dark moments of sin. David, yeah. When you have some time, go read, this, go read Psalm 51. It's known as the penitent psalm of David. In the very darkness of David's sin, where did, he, where did he turn to in those darkest moments? To the only place he knew he could. 
and that was to God. And David said, against thee and thee only, have I what? Have I sinned? And then finally, mm, we can learn the value of serving the purpose of God in our daily lives. But there's only one way you can do that. And that's you've got to be active in serving. You have to be active in serving. That's David's life, but let me share something with you. It's far from over. It is far from over because the throne of David is going to be reestablished in the city of Jerusalem. The legacy of David is far and lasting. Man after God's own heart. But folks today, what are we passing on? What is our legacy when it comes to our own lives today? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Brother Red's going to come. So this morning we can just look into our own hearts. But you'll never understand a lasting eternal legacy until, first of all, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. And before a holy God, without Jesus Christ, we stand before him as a sinner, condemned already. But because of God's love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. And when we understand and realize our sin and we're willing to admit our sin, place our trust and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and then commit our hearts and lives to him, we can come to experience that personal relationship with him. Only through Jesus Christ. But for believers here today, the question we all need to answer is, to a generation that's coming behind us, what kind of legacy are we leaving for them today?